Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Sub Podcast this week. Uh, episode number two. I don't have a creative um, title for this one yet, but we'll, we'll, we'll figure it out as we get to the editing part. <laughs> I am here today, um, myself, Bryce, hosting, along with... Mason. Yep, that's me. And Andy, I'm back here for another week. Yep. Still on the payroll. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm joking. I'm joking. Well, this is good. Um, just want to start off the podcast just kind of asking guys, how, how's your week been since, like, you know, we played or last spoke? Like, um, I know me personally, I'll just start off real quick by saying uh, Andy and I started a snap streak after uh, last week's episode. And, um, at one point, I had to tell Andy we had to stop actually having conversation because this podcast would be boring if I was talking to him all day. So me and Andy <laughs> are holding a very superficial relationship outside of Mondays. <laughs> yeah, no no real deep friendship for us outside of the podcast. Yeah. Yeah, that's why, that's why we made the podcast, so we could become friends, not because we are. Yeah. <laughs> that's yeah, logic. Yeah. Become friends, yeah. Sup is actually just an abstract thing we assembled together, and uh, yeah, everything you guys learned last week, it's all a hoax, it's <laughs> fake. We got you, haha. <laughs> now you're sucked into our podcast. <laughs> um, but yeah, what about you, Mason? Anything big last week? You know, it was the last week of winter break. Um, today was my first day of classes. Um, so I didn't really do a lot last week, if I'm being honest, um, worked a few days, read a lot. I guess I read some books, but not necessarily like going places or doing anything super exciting. So that's exciting. I mean, in a sense that you were doing nothing. I mean, me personally, I can't relate to that. Um, like the feeling of that being exciting and it sounds like you really can't either, but a lot of people have been telling me that that's what they look forward to, which I think is just kind of the craziest thing. Um, I hate downtime. Yeah. I see it as a balance. I am usually not one for downtime either. I like to stay productive and doing things that I'm interested in or that like I've committed to. Um, but sometimes when you are on the go, go, go all the time, obviously it's great to have, some time to rest so you don't get burnt out um but doing that too much then again kind of leads to the start of like i need to be productive and doing something so that's just how i'm wired and... yeah no i'm i'm dude i'm 100 percent the same way i mean like the moment i spend i don't know four hours like not doing anything is usually my tipping point on when it's like okay i feel like i just came down with a really bad cold i'm so knocked out of energy and just drained for the day um right which kind of sucks when if if i ever find myself in a place where i'm back to back with classes yeah isn't that weird how it's kind of like a a self-feeding cycle like you're being lazy for a day but then you feel tired so you just want to be lazy more yeah yeah you give into it even though you didn't really do anything that bag of chips goes from half full to a third full to a quarter full and then you, you you know you start really eating yourself up because you just ate a whole bag of chips in less than twenty minutes, or is that just me? 
are, are you speaking from personal experience here? Or? Yeah. Oh, sorry. I, uh, I'm a recovering food addict. <laughs> what about you, Andy? What did you do this week? Well, uh, this past week was a pretty big week for me. So, first of all, I had my first broomball game of the year. So, that was pretty exciting. Um, and then... Last week, Wednesday, I had my final round interview for a job after school, and I'm happy to say that as of today, I have signed my offer letter. All right. Officially committed. That's awesome. Now, that's productivity. That's getting stuff done. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you know, congrats, man. That's, That's huge. I mean. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Like, I'm. I was actually, it's kind of funny that like that happened to you today. Cause I was just te- talking to another person uh, about uh, how I'm still waiting on applications for graduate school to get back to me. Um, and they're like, Oh yeah, I'm only waiting on one program still. And I'm like, I have five. <laughs> like, yep. and all these people are, you know, around me are p- picking up jobs and stuff. And it's like, I don't even know where I'm going to be yet like crazy but i'm super happy for you andy um yeah for sure bryce you got anything to report um you know everybody came back to campus this past weekend um so it's been a very exciting weekend for me um it's super draining uh, so last week it started off basically really slow and that's kind of where i was pulling that story from with the bag of chips um it was because i at one point i realized it was the beginning of the day and the next minute i had watched all of rings of power in one day so um, <laughs> all right well yeah isn't that like eight hours yeah long? that was about yeah just about um and i had also watched the extended edition of the two towers that week as well so um to say Tolkien's in my veins right now is an understatement. Um, but it could be worse. Yeah. And then it, this weekend just kind of went into um, a lot of people being back. And one of the great, one of the favorite things to do on campus is play volleyball. Um, and so we've played volleyball Saturday night, Sunday afternoon. And guess what I'm doing after this tonight? Watching more Game of Thrones. Playing volleyball. Uh, playing volleyball. <laughs> I said watching Game of Thrones. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I picked up on that. Oh, okay. I don't know. We said it at the same time. I'm like, oh no. Yep. The bandwidth. <laughs> the bandwidth. I, no, we're good. No, I, I definitely heard I uh I was acknowledging Andy's correctness and um your appreciation for understanding my love for um all things medieval based. <laughs> I'm undefeated, never lost. Game. Undefeated. The bar <laughs> ball. Where did that guy go? <laughs> Last week's podcast was quite a big success. Um, uh, for all of you guys that are listening that had to go through all my marketing, be ready for it this week because it's coming back. Um, but uh, really appreciate Brace all the support, yourself. all the people that uh, have reached out. Um, you know, there's a couple, couple things that I will work on, um, such as not decreasing my volume six decibels uh, less than Hazard 
and Andy's because it makes me really hard to hear. I hear. Um, another thing, um, it seems like a lot of people have been drawn to the fun kind of more um, fruitful, philosophical kind of conversations, you know, um, the amount of people that talk to me, that talk to me about the fact that we couldn't kind of wrap our heads around the Southern Christmas was kind of, um, interesting just to hear that, like, there's a lot, big interest in that topic. Um, and I had somebody reach out saying that they really appreciated the kind of, you know, last message that we left, um, towards the end of the podcast about just kind of like, don't, you know, just don't blink. Hey, uh, Mason, you paid reference to that country music song. Um, <laughs> yeah. And like, yes. So I think, I think what we were doing here is exactly how we <laughs> planned it. Um, I know it's just the first one, but yeah. Yeah. I had a lot of fun filming and looking forward to tonight. So what do we got on tap for tonight, Bryce? All right, we got ourselves a great appetizer of um, the sup word of the week, really getting us diving into the deep ends of today's podcast. Um, and then we have, um, we're going to be talking about a little bit of sports. Um, we have a couple itching things uh, from the media, fresh off the press, um, kind of things to wrap our heads around. And then we have um, some older but still relevant things um, in the market, specifically the crypto market. And then um, saving for the best to last, you guys can all can see the um, timestamps in the show notes, um, but we'll dive into the best movie or best movie series of all time, which is a lifelong debate. Um, and we have some, we have a top hundred list to go off of, um, and maybe we'll see ours on that list. Maybe we won't. So if you guys wanted to talk about something right now, I'm going to look up a word of the week. (laughs) All right. It's good. You spent too much time watching Game of Thrones and playing volleyball. I thought you were supposed to have this planned out before we started. Yeah. See, <laughs> that's all right. I was gonna okay. hope that um, this would come to my mind faster. Um, you know, just based off of like what topics we had on store today, but um, nope, did not. So, <laughs> if you if you could pack your bags and have a full ride trip to anywhere in the world for one week. Right now, where would you go? Does the one week count, uh, like include the plane time to get there and back, or am I actually at that spot for a week? Uh, you're actually at that spot for a week. Okay. You know, I've kind of always said I want to go to to Rome and Italy, mm. but yeah, you're you're up, probably specifically Rome. That'd be really cool. Otherwise, Spain would be really cool. The problem is if you're only like if the week includes the travel time, you don't want to spend like 10, 12 hours getting there. Right. That's right. Yeah. What do you come up with for that? Oh, yes. I was not. Well, I guess I was ready for this question. I see. 
And this is why I ask, like, at this moment right now today, because, yeah, there's a there's a lot of great things to see around the world, but there's a lot of also, like, political barriers and wars going on that you have to be conscious of and aware of. Um, but, like, particularly Rome, Spain is probably going to be free from most of that. However, my number one spot would be, like, Israel, the Holy Land. I would love to go there. However, I'm aware of, like, the political conflicts that are around that kind of region of the world. And so for that reason, I would probably choose Australia. Oh, interesting. Yeah, so that's the other thing I was thinking of. And I, my my mom has been there a couple of times, but I'd love to go to Venezuela at some point. Yes, yeah. Um, but just... You, you can't it, you can't go right now no no it's uh and, I, and it's not even venezuela now i've heard peru recently too isn't it just yeah there's i there's something going on with their election down there and i don't know too much about it yeah. but i don't want to sit up here and act like i'm a expert in foreign affairs but i read the news no, every once now. in a while so Depends on the day. Yeah. Yeah. Depends on the day. The sup word of week uh, actually is a phrase. Um, and this one is rooting because Hazard and I started our first day of school today. Um, Andy, unfortunately, has already started. Um, but this one comes from the awesome Noah, who still might be my roommate one day. Working on it. It is... Time to bring this piece of poop to school. This is a classic quote um, from Noah as we had a project where we had to present something on a poster. Um, and I can't remember what exactly the poster was on. Um, but all I remember is one day um, going on Snapchat and looking at a story and here it was. So, um, so what Hazard has here written <laughs> is um, Noah, after taking an elegant picture of a terrible school project poster, quote, time to bring this piece of poop to school. Um, and it was just one of the funniest things to start the day off, because I think it was like 730 in the morning. You know, most of us are just rolling out of bed, you know, getting ready for school and you go on Snapchat and. Man, no, Noah always had the greatest things to say. Um, For real. And this is... Yeah, maybe maybe we should preface this. Um, so back in high school, there was sort of a Snapchat story war where our friend group, the SUP group, would gauge whose uh, Snapchat stories were the best each month and award points to people. So this is part of a long series of the Snapchat wars. And uh, Noah was incredible at them he was in the debate he was in the lebron jordan debate of the snapchat stories i i think we have to pay tribute to the 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 other person in this battle um sam sam if you're out there listening to this bravo you put up a good fight but i think noah probably was the icing on the cake after this um for the best snapchat story battle that you guys probably didn't know existed <laughs> and by probably we mean they had no clue it existed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Sam had some good ones too. It was cl it was it was a battle. 
where do we come up with stuff like this? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, no, it's, uh, these guys were great, great people. Um, you know, mm-hmm. I, Sam, he, he was one of my like close childhood friends. Um, I remember going to his birthday party one year and, you know, just having a Nerf gun battle, um, as nat- naturally as all young children do. Um, and it was probably, that's probably one of my, um, favorite like birthday party memories. Um, Sam loved to work at the bowling alley. Everybody knew that, um, that man killed it. Um, that's where a lot of the stories came from. So, um, we're moving on to, um, our kind of sports segment here. Um, and, uh, just recently we had the NFL playoffs, um, determine the NFC championship and the AFC championship uh, matchups, which kind of led to a startling statistic. Um, so for, first of all, for those of you, um, that don't know the four teams are the chiefs, the Bengals, the Eagles, and the 49ers that are going to be playing, um, this, is it this upcoming weekend? Yes. Yeah. So, so um, the NFC game, obviously, uh, the 49ers and the Eagles, and then the AFC, the Chiefs and the Bengals. Um, but with the Bengals win on Sunday, they played, right? Mm-hmm. They have won five playoff games since Drew Burrow was drafted in 2020. And the Packers have five playoff wins um, with Aaron Rodgers since they collapsed in Seattle in the 2014 season. And this comes from a tweet from Peter Bukowski on Twitter. Uh, I don't know who this man is, but he's verified. So I'm assuming this is probably accurate. Yeah. It looks like he's a host of a Packers podcast. Um, So I think he kind of understands this. So I, you know, I sent this over to you guys earlier this week. um, So you guys had a little bit of time to digest it, but what do you guys, what do you guys take out of this? Okay. Well, what I'll say is, it's not so much a reflection on the Packers. If you're thinking about the Seattle collapse was 2014. Okay. Now it, it's 20, it's a 2022 season. So, I mean, technically, so that's eight, eight years of time, nine years of time, five wins for most franchises. That's a pretty good number. And maybe not for the Packers based on their tradition and legacy, still a decent number of wins. I think this is more of a reflection on Joe Burrow and how unbelievable he's been in really the past two years, because granted he's played three years, but he tore his ACL the first year. Um, So just really the past two years and I'll pass it over to Andy before I come back. I want to like talk about a proposition that I have, but I want to hear some other thoughts on this. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's kind of interesting because, I'm just looking back through the the Packers records for a couple of years now and like you're you're 12 and 4 in 2014 and then they go I think they they went to Seattle and lost a game that they absolutely had won and should have won because of a stupid mistake but then after that you've got like a couple 10 and 6 seasons so kind of what the Bengals have been for the past couple of years and then for like McCarthy's last two years, they have losing records. So I, I look at Dallas right now, and they, they haven't done anything in the playoffs, really. I mean, they scored what they scored 12 points last night or whatever. Mm-hmm. 
So, it, uh, you know, some of it's got to be coaching, but I, some of it is also we just haven't really had teams that are built to play well in the postseason. They're built to beat up weak teams during the year and then poop the bed in the end of the year. Yeah, the weak teams aren't even – I mean, the Lions we got swept by this year. And the Bears, granted, they're the number one pick, worst team in the league record-wise, but it's not like they are they, – they at least have their quarterback, you know. they just got to rebuild pieces around them. So it's it's not like things are getting easier either. Yeah, what are your thoughts on Dan Campbell? I think Dan Campbell – I don't believe he is – a tremendous coach, but I think the influence that he has on the team is beyond almost anything that granted, I haven't watched the NFL for decades and decades granted by age, given my age, but as long as I've been watching the league, I don't remember a coach as passionate about his team. And that actually gets his team to rally behind him. I, I don't think the lions are as good of a team as they played this year. And that sounds kind of odd, but I think that's a testament to not just the scheme of Dan Campbell's coaching, but the the um, the aura he brings to that locker room. Yeah, I, so I I have a lot of Lions fans that are up at school with me, and a lot of them are like, he's a really good culture guy. He's a really good culture guy. And I, I don't know if he's a championship caliber culture guy because you, you saw – Last year, when they had a much worse record, they'd be down by like 30 at the end of the game, and he's getting all fired up and swaggering about a, a good hit. And it's like, that's not a culture of winning. Right. And I understand that the, and I understand that the Lions don't have a culture of winning, but, I, you know, and, and perhaps this is what they needed to, to at least get back to a respectable team. And then I think from there, if you truly want to win championships, you need like a Sean Payton, someone who's an adult in the room and will bring a culture of winning to your team. Yeah, I just had that thought as you were talking. It's like, it's almost like you never want to use the word. He's like a, a branch where it's like, or, or like a, a person who is in the middle of a rebuild to per, the, te, the, the time the team becomes a contender. But it really just seems like a transition kind of coach now that you're explaining it, he's like, he's definitely not a bad coach in the sense where he is incompetent, but the championship level, I think that you are right the way that you just described it. And so by the time the lions get to a place where they're able to acquire draft picks and get players and free agency, um, or just build their team around their talent to get to that viable level, that if damn Campbell begins to start to show a lack of production, I mean, we're talking years of the future, so we'll have to see. But I think that's a, like you just said, someone like a Sean Payton, um, who knows who will be available at that time. But yeah, it's it's a little bit of a crass way to put it, but he's almost kind of a stepping stone. Mm-hmm. If you take a look at the rest of the league, even um, you kind of see that um, where the 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 coaches that have that more upbeat and bring that like life to the locker room seem to do well. I mean, the Jags with uh, Doug Peterson. Um, I, I remember after the Chargers game two weeks ago, um, Trevor Lawrence had come out and said just basically that when they were in their slump and then they started winning, 
um, Doug Peterson just basically told him, this is our year. And like kept the boys up, kept them going. Um, and Trevor Lawrence had talked about how anytime he like messed up, there was the correction aspect, but there's a lot of supporting and emotional, um, you know, drive behind it as well, which I think is super powerful for a coach. But even if you go over to the Chiefs um, with Andy Reid, they've been championship caliber for what, four or five years now? Um, and I mean, granted, Patrick Mahomes is Hall of Fame quarterback without a doubt, but like there's a lot of coaching behind that team as well. Um, and you can even make the the case for Bruce Arians on the Bucks, the one year that they won the you know, Super Bowl with Tom Brady. Like um, Bruce Arians put it on his team and just said, "Hey, you know, you guys all believe in Tom Brady. I'm gonna let Tom Brady call the shots, um, and I'm just gonna be a, like kind of like this good guiding. Um, I'm gonna be there to uh, coach football, but also be, just be a friend and." you know you see these championship teams rise with these types of um, coaches yeah I'll I'll just say this and then I'll drop it quick I don't think Patrick Mahomes is a Hall of Fame quarterback without one of the greatest offensive schemers that we've ever had in the game I think he looks a lot like what Josh Allen looks like right now without without the offensive scheme yeah, that's fair. Maybe. I, I mean, I would say maybe a little worse because I think he's more prone to big mistakes than Josh Allen, but similar. And this is where, okay, this is the tie-in, slight, slight tie-in. Just to go back to Joe Burrow because that's how he started. Um, I am, I don't claim, I'm, I'm not obsessed with sports, but I do have nerdy qualities where I like, I like rankings. I like tiers. Um, and projections. One of the things I've recently done is rank all starting quarterbacks in the NFL based on my own opinion. Well, based on their play, of course, but my opinion of their play. And I have come to the conclusion, I want to hear if you agree or disagree with this. Based off of what we saw this weekend, Joe Burrow is closer to Patrick Mahomes than Josh Allen is to Joe Burrow. Agree or disagree? Yeah, I'm I'm right there yeah, with you. I I'd have to agree with that. I think just watching the game this weekend, I, Josh Allen, when he's great, he's great. But I think he needs some more things around him to actually be great against good teams. I mean, it's team. It is a team sport, though. So you do have to have those caliber weapons um at the line well, and... well there's that but but you also you also think about like the best of the best quarterbacks to ever do it when not necessarily talking about the greatest but the best quarterbacks to ever do it they can overcome a lot that is true yeah I... and i i don't see that in josh allen i just don't yeah no whereas joe burrow's got three offensive linemen out with injury and he's still the accuracy is off the charts with him. It's it's pretty remarkable. I mean, we could get into the the myth, the legend, Jameis Winston, who absolute <laughs> laser cannon. Um, That's yeah. He was thirty for thirty one season. Let's not forget. Um, he's accurate even throwing to the other team. Yeah, double accurate. Yeah, absolutely great. 
But then there's teams that drop Joe Flacco, best winning percentage in the playoff quarterback for a while. And then I don't know if that statistic still holds, but like. Mm -hmm. But what I like going into this year, when I thought about like the young quarterbacks going into the year, I thought, okay, Mahomes and Allen, like Allen's slightly below Mahomes. That's like their own tier. Burrow is kind of in a little behind them with Herbert, Burrow and Herbert together. And Trevor Lawrence wasn't even on the radar to begin the year because of how bad his rookie year was. Now, I I think Joe Burrow has completely ascended above Josh Allen. And he's not at Mahomes' level, but he he is progressively getting there. Oh, yeah. And I have Josh Allen in that middle tier. And Trevor Lawrence has ascended, and he is at the level of Herbert. And some people want to make the argument that Lawrence is better than Herbert just because of the playoff game. I'm not ready to do that. I think Herbert still is slightly better. He's got great talent. I don't think he's being um, used properly by the coaching staff, the defensive coaching staff. But that's kind of how I see it. It's Mahomes, Burrow, slight gap, Josh Allen, mini gap, Herbert and Lawrence are, like, right together. Yeah. I don't even know if I'm – ready to put Herbert and Lawrence at the same level. I Lawrence threw four picks in a playoff game. That's the other like, side of it. By, by, by all accounts, they should not have been in that game. Yeah. So, at a, his decision-making sometimes gets to me. Right. It's true. You can make the argument that, well, if his, if his defense doesn't get as many stops, then the touchdowns that he throws in the second half doesn't really do much because they're not coming back anyways. Um you do remember it's its second year, though. So to play at that level for a second year is pretty impressive. But, yeah, he's still got ways to go. What's it, Herbert's third year? Yes. Nah, I, I, I'm just saying I don't I don't think they should be judged on that different of a scale. That's fair. Yeah, let's see more playoff success. FTX, what a company, huh? Yeah. <laughs> Only the greatest. I'm not, like, super fluent in cryptocurrency um i kind of get the gists of it um and i understand a little bit about econ but definitely not an econ major in like how this all stuff works but ftx um has definitely made the headlines recently definitely crashed the crypto market um and we have a new wolf of the crypto wall street i think that's fair to say yeah, I mean, I think it's crazy how people can be so lucrative and a little bit egocentric in a sense that they were they, they just are taking money from people, spending it, and then like not having a business model where essentially these firms like imagine if the imagine if you went to the bank and the bank told you they couldn't give you your money back. Like that's essentially what happened. And where was that money being used? I mean, some of it was probably used for the business itself. I don't believe that the company was fully um, corrupt, but uh, you know, multiple multiple sources that just I was just reading was like, yeah, he was what's his name was using it on personal expenditures. It's like, okay, dude, cut yourself a check, give yourself a fair wage that a CEO deserves, and use that money, not company money. <laughs> Yeah, Sam Bankman-Fried, the former now CEO of FTX. And you can find 
hundreds of videos on the internet or articles explaining like exactly the logistics of what happened. Um, I, I mean, kind of like what Bryce said, I, I have a good understanding of how economics works, but I'm not going to claim to be an expert or anything and like tell you this is what happened. So if, if you want more information on that, there's plenty of resources out there for it. What I want to like, the focus when I think about the story is like, you have here, I think he's 29 years old, if not that exact age, upper 20s, who's worth $26 billion. And the guy's got some pretty wealthy parents that have pretty good connections. So it's not like he came out of absolutely nowhere. I mean, it's hard to get up to that kind of level coming from absolutely nowhere. But just the public's ability to place complete and total trust in a kind of guy who is this young. And I mean, if you look at a lot of pictures of how he presents himself, I'm not saying like appearance doesn't, it's not all that matters, of course, because we all have like different income levels, different taste and style. But when you're showing up to meet like a former president of the United States, Bill Clinton, who's wearing a suit and tie, and you're in a meeting with him on stage wearing like a t-shirt and shorts looks like you just woke up not really taking care of yourself and the public kind of views you as this wonder kid who's a billionaire and has created this great product and he kind of just carries around a persona like i don't really give a crap about anybody around me i'm just going to do my own thing because i'm rich um are we really shocked that this kind of thing happens well so no i don't think we're shocked but I actually disagree with you, Mason. I think his um, his dressing and his image that he puts out is very intentional. I um, I think that the image he puts out is meant to make him seem more appealing to the general person, kind of like what um, you, you know, Steve Jobs does, where he comes out in his jeans and a t-shirt and presents the newest Apple stuff and whatever. I, it's meant to appeal to a large audience of people and it's meant to make the him relate to them. Mm. I mean, it was very iconic of Steve jobs, very iconic for him to go out to these really high, just energy conferences um, every year and present the newest Apple products to the people in a very casual setting. It's good. It's great um, way to not only like show self-expression, but also show the fact that like they're, one of us, you know, and you, you, as you go through at least my college experience, it's like the more and more I pick up on themes of just kind of society and stuff, the more influencers, big people in society are getting more to this image of the general consumer, like trying to be more of like an actual human, like more of like themselves, um, less formal, just to appeal to an audience and be able to sell those products um and i mean also they get to be lazy so like not necessarily like lazy lazy but like they get to be in a comfortable space for themselves which also allows for them to be at their most comfortable place to think and to be able to speak as well so i've been in suits a couple times not fun to not fun to wear um like for comfort wise but they do look sharp and um, I don't feel any smarter in them. I actually feel a little bit dumber in them. I feel a lot smarter when I'm in my lab coat. Um, but yeah, I mean, that, that that's my take on it. Um, but I can see your point too, Hazard, because um, it's kind of weird, just like from a societal standpoint to, you know, 
also be up there um, at the same time wearing that, especially with political figures where we do associate hired clothes dressing um, and stuff like that. Yeah, I, I mean, I think about Mark Zuckerberg, too. He's kind of famous for the T-shirt and jeans kind of stuff. Um, and I, I guess I should clarify now that I've heard what you guys are saying, like, I, I personally am not a huge suit and tie person either. Like I've worn them, I'm willing to wear them, but I'm definitely more, I would associate myself more with just the Steve Jobs kind of look where it's like, I'm making an appearance to show that like, I care about how I look. I want to look presentable, but I don't want to look at such a level where I'm disconnected from you because of my prominence or whatever, if I don't actually have it. But even then, trying to appeal to the average person like Steve Jobs or Zuckerberg or someone like that is still different because what Sam Bankman Freed appeared to be to me is the complete opposite end of the spectrum where the raggediest looking shorts and t-shirts and his hair is an afro it's like not combed properly so I get you're appealing to the average person that isn't all about the suits and all that but at some level there has to be some level of presentability like I know like or like at least an aura of I'm standing for something that is serious to me and for that reason you should trust me and I mean this is kind of how all business etiquette works but at the same time it's like a play where it's like the persona that he brought forth the way that he dressed the way that he talked about himself I mean other people called him like the world's most generous billionaire he kind of had these titles around him which was a distraction from what might've actually been going on deep in his own headquarters that we now know, but have been blinded to for a while um, because we're just so caught up in how cool and hip and young this guy is that we don't actually know what's going on in the, in the dark, you know? Yeah. I I think that's valid for sure. Yeah. I mean, like if you even think about when it comes to the money sector, um, you think about anybody that resembles it, um, you know, Warren Buffett, I guess even like if you watch Shark Tank and stuff, I get it's a show and stuff, but um, I mean, every once in a while you see Mark Cuban out of character at a Mavs game, but like even then he's pretty usually suited up and always staying formal. Um, I think it's just time and place. Like know your surroundings and what's appropriate for the occasion that you're at, you know? All right. Top 100 greatest movies of all time, according to the IMDB uh, website. Are you guys ready for him? I'm going to just list the top 10, um, and then we'll kind of dive from there. Number one, can you guys guess what the number one movie would be? I'm looking at it, so it's not really... Uh, I am I, I am not. I am not. I'm going to okay. guess the greatest movie of all time, Godfather. Yep. Yep. So number one, Godfather. Um, number two, Shawshank Redemption. Number three, Schindler's List. Number four, Raging Bull. Number five, Casablanca. Number six, Citizen Kane. Number seven, Gone with the Wild. Number eight, Wizard of Oz. Number nine, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. I, I don't know how to pronounce that. I'm sorry, guys. Um, and number 10, Lawrence of Arabia. What are you guys' takes on that top 10 before we get into our top? We'll, we'll do our top three movies. I don't know many of those movies. I haven't seen many of them. So, like, I know I've seen The Godfather. I've seen Shawshank Redemption. I think both of those belong in the top 10 for sure. They're probably not in my top three, but they're they're in the top 10 of greatest movies of all time. I haven't seen Schindler's List. Everybody says it's good. Um, 
I haven't seen Casablanca either. Yeah, I'm not a I'm not a huge huge movie guy. I've definitely seen a lot of the classics. It seems to me a lot of the movies in this top ten list are from an era that was before DVD, before you know, obviously mainstream streaming. So the desire for me to go watch Casablanca or Gone with the Wind is not as great as the desire for me to see something more modern, um, which we're probably get talking about right now. So that's my take on it. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I think that this list um, is definitely tailored to a time where um, cinema and like being in the theaters was much higher. Um, and I mean, the reason why number one is Godfather is like great film for the time period and how much like they made a TV series on filming it. Like, like how the producers of that film had to go against what was actually going on in New York at the time, um, which is kind of crazy to think about. For me, I haven't. I started The Godfather and was so bored of it. I just stopped, um, just because it's it doesn't tailor to our generation. I mean, we can have appreciation for it. I don't know, film is just so dated and stuff. In the top 10 alone, I've seen part of that, but the only one I saw was The Wizard of Oz, like, because that was my dad's favorite movie of all time. It doesn't get down till, what is it, number 20 or number 19. So I saw West Side Story um, say it's a pretty good musical film. Number 20, Star Wars. Uh, number 22, E.T., and then uh, number 33 is the first one that I know is like the most modern at Lord of the Rings Return of the King in 2003. It's kind of just crazy to think about how these had all had gone. Like the, you can tell that this is tailored to a time period where movies were not on DVD. Well, this this list originally came out in 2012. So yeah. And I mean, not... they still have some of the greatest movies up until then i mean avatar came out which was one of the greatest films ever of our time period so yeah i mean getting into our time period what what are your guys's top threes i'll go first um if we're talking individual movies um well we'll do movies and and or uh, film <laughs> series because i i have a hard time doing distinct movies from the whole collection of fair. the series that's fair okay um again i've not seen a lot of a lot a lot of movies so i haven't seen the godfather films um so to me and i haven't seen the lord of the rings although it's definitely on my bucket list i will watch it one day <laughs> so for that reason um in my mind the best movie series is the star wars trilogy and i get that's not going to be number one on anybody's list but for the time period that it was made, the older ones, I'm talking just about the first six. Because even though people have problems with the prequels, I still like them enough. Revenge of the Sith is actually a very, very good movie. The other two are fine. I reject the sequels, seven through nine, the new Disney ones. I don't even consider them a part of the canon. They're that bad to me. Um, but I like Star Wars a lot. And Indiana Jones, I just saw for the first time like three months ago. It took me that long but I finally seen them. Those are actually great movies as well, except for the fourth one, the fifth one coming out this year. That's going to be really interesting to see. I'll, I'll be in the theaters to watch that. I don't know if Andy wants to give his list before I go individual movies, but 
Yeah, I I mean, as far as series, I'm a big nerd. You guys both know that. Mm. Lord of the Rings, mm-hmm. the, the the trilogy there is, in my opinion, the greatest trilogy of all time ever created. I don't think anyone can ever touch it just with the amount of like practical effects and things like that that they did building the sets like they did making the cast move to New Zealand for a couple of years like the the dedication they had to those movies was incredible and it shows and it's just it it's every single movie is so long but it doesn't feel that long when you watch it because you're just so entertained by it they did, they they didn't even release the full versions in theaters I know that's crazy what it's, fantastic like there's an extra hour about an extra hour to every film and if you get the extended editions they're just 10 times more better and they make the story way more cohesive than the theatrical cuts like once you watch the extended editions you don't go back uh to the theatrical versions so yeah i i mean there's one part that in return of the king that i like the theatrical version better for because i think it builds more suspense but other than that yeah the the extended editions are fantastic yeah for sure um for me my top series um and this is this might come unpopular might be an unpopular opinion but i'm a big harry potter fan so um for me harry potter i just think is beautiful i think lord of the it's 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 actually really tough between lord of the rings and harry potter but the only reason why i say harry potter and this is a personal element to it is the fact that like it was so magical for me as a young kid to be able to go to the theaters every year and see the new Harry Potter movie uh, on my birthday um, because Harry Potter's birthday was on the 30th and they usually would release it near Harry Potter's birthday um, and my birthday's in middle of July as well. So it had that extra element of personal flavor in a sense um, and I just love love how it felt like they grew up with us as we got older, if that makes sense. I mean, granted, it was like they were probably like maybe eight or ten years older than all of us. But it's kind of like when you think about old Disney movies um, like or TV series like Sweet Life of Zack and Cody and stuff like that. It's like you kind of felt like you grew up with them. You know what I mean? Um, so that's that's my take on series. So why don't you give us your favorite three movies right away? Then? Yeah. So uh, favorite three movies, um, Mamma Mia. This is not in any particular order either. Mamma Mia, um, Harry Potter, and The Prisoner of Azkaban. I love the third movie. Super good. And then Lord of the Rings, Return of the King, um, just because it's, fant- it's a phenomenal movie. Uh, but I do want to toss in there, very close runner is um the hangover the original hangover movie because you can't you can't beat a good funny movie like that oh man um those aren't bad movies not bad um yeah my favorite and the best movie that i've ever seen is the dark knight Mm, and it's just it's just got not only is the plot good but the, the elements of the plot like such a great the greater good versus the the greater evil and the way they work. I mean, Heath Ledger in that movie is, everybody says it, but it's all-time stuff. And I think Darth Vader is the greatest movie villain of all time, but the Joker is right up there at number two. Yeah. So 
I like that movie a lot. Second for me, I, I call it recency bias, but I saw a Top Gun Maverick in movie in the theaters this past summer. It was phenomenal. It was an absolutely awesome movie. The the way they portrayed that movie, Tom Cruise's acting is so good, and I thought it was even better than the first one. And that is that is impressive to say because first one is also very good. So I really like Top Gun Maverick, and <clears throat> because I do like business, I have kind of a business oriented mind. Third for me is kind of a tie between The Social Network, which is mm. the movie about Facebook and their starting, and mm. The Founder, which is about the starting of McDonald's. They're not going to be all-time movie classics, but the way the characters of Mark Zuckerberg and Ray Kroc are portrayed in their own business settings is it's fascinating and it's gripping. And if you're into that business world, it's really stuff that I every time I see it, I sit down to watch it. So those are mine. Yeah, so I'm going to have to give you guys four. I think two of them are going to be well-received, and the other two people are going to go like, "Who? what movies are you talking about? Um, <laughs> Men in Tights so, is going to be one of them, hands down. I no, know. no, 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 no Mel Brooks movies, no. <laughs> um, so the first two, Mason already mentioned one of them, The Dark Knight. Um, that's got to be one of my favorite movies of all time. It's just fantastic. There's not much more else to say about it. Um, on the same tone, a little bit as Bryce, but I prefer Lord of the Rings Two Towers to Return of the King. Both are fantastic. Both are for sure in my top ten, but I just love the Battle of Helm's Deep more than the final battle or the, the Siege of Gondor. Um, so those are the two that I don't think people will argue much with me about. The last two are Ocean's Eleven and The Day After Tomorrow. Mm. Um, so Ocean's Eleven, I just love mostly because of the plot. It's just a really fun movie. And then The Day After Tomorrow, um, I just have a lot of memories of just like hanging out with my family and watching that movie just because it pops up on TV sometimes. So definitely not going to be considered one of the greatest movies ever, but I love that movie. Yeah, I think when it comes to greatest movies of all time, it it has to be ones that make a memory with you. And I think that for you to be able to assign the greatest movies to generalize to the most to the public is almost nearly impossible. There has to be some sort of caveat to a list. And I mean, even the list that the IMDb has like doesn't have any particular from ratings to stuff like that. You know, it's just like. Yeah, there's a level of subjectivity that goes into it. You know, we all have our own biases for good reasons, for bad reasons. But the nostalgia that comes from an event like a movie can bring is always going to seep into your mind more than something like, oh, everybody likes Schindler's List. But it wasn't yeah. really that special to me, you know, Yeah, for as sure. an example. Well, that does it for today's uh, this week's episode, actually. Uh, thanks again, everybody, for listening. It's been Bryce mason and andy and we'll see you guys next week